Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery, and joining me is the man. <laughs> I can't. I can't even do this with a with a straight face. He's the man who sings. I'm a dick. I'm a dick, and I could care less. Here's my co-host from the left coast. Here's Wayne Fugate. Uh, hola, Ben. I mean, truer uh, than it should be. So for this episode, we have a special guest. He was the basis for the very underappreciated band, The Muffs. Their last record was called No Holiday and was released in October of 2019. Please welcome to the podcast, Ronnie Barnett. In the house, fellas. In the house. How are you, Ronnie? Uh, it's, sad for me to, what's, it's sad for me to hear you say was, because, uh, you know, I consider it still a band, even, even if my band member is not around anymore. Yeah, and I and I struggled with the the tents. I'm like, do they do they carry the torch on this? Um, because look, you and I both know music endures, and your music is going to endure the test of time. You you touch so many lives. Kim was uh, such an integral part of you know the, the 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 punk scene, and and. I think she was a, a torchbearer for, for, for many people within the industry. So, yeah, I, I struggled with whether or not I should say is or um, was. So thank you for that correction. I know. it. I mean, you know, technically it is was, but, yeah, it's very, you know. <laughs> yeah. We didn't end being a band until the day that she left us. So, right, right. You know, even even though we had a couple of inactive years there at the end. So. Yeah, we'll 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 get into all that. Um, we do have to start with the the all important question. So um, why don't I just start with Ronnie's? Uh, so Ronnie, what T-shirt are you wearing? <laughs> well, you know, I'm not wearing anything right now. It's a podcast. <laughs> just, just kidding. I have a T-shirt on. I'm wearing a bootleg Utopia T-shirt from uh, their tour from uh, just under two years ago. Nice. So, and oh. again, a bootleg shirt. I didn't. Right. I didn't pay the thirty bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I paid. I paid eight dollars outside for this shirt. <laughs> it's not a bad shirt. It's not. It's not a bad design. It's you know. It's a little loud, but there you go. Uh, that that is yeah. a, that is a band that I never would have kind of equated with you listening to. Uh, you, you don't peg me as a utopia guy. Oh, I get. You know, I listen to all sorts of stuff. I I, I always think to. Uh, and I'm not trying to drop a name here, but. I was talking to Al Stewart a few years ago Great. and uh, he, it turned out he was a Muffs fan, which I didn't believe. And wow. then it, you know, he proved that he, he proved to me that he was. And, uh, and we were talking about the Buzzcocks and he's like, I'm a huge Buzz, huge Buzzcocks fan. He's like, people probably think I just sit around and listen to Nick Drake all day. But <laughs> you know what I mean? We're all uh, people and we all listen to different stuff. Maybe some people don't, but yeah, I do. That's interesting. Yeah. Al Stewart, a Buzzcocks fan. Yeah, yeah, we were we were talking about doing a, a a song, doing a Buzzcocks cover with him singing. Which, how great would that have been with his voice? Oh my gosh, that would be awesome! Yeah, but, Do it. yeah, it was not to not to be. All right, how about you, Wayne? What T-shirt are you wearing? I am wearing uh, my Red Rock Harley Davidson uh, T-shirt because I'm I'm heading to Vegas later today. Spend my birthday. Perfect. Happy birthday, buddy! Thanks. Yeah, happy birthday. Thank you. So I'm the way to send it. <laughs> I'm trying to double my money. There's going to be many man on the moons being consumed there in Vegas, isn't there? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right. 
Uh, so I'm wearing a brand new T-shirt I got last night. Uh, I went and saw Noah Gunderson at uh, the Social here in Orlando, and um, Wayne he had white he had white T-shirts, so I purchased one. Oh, and I love uh, those. And it says on on here, and this is the reason why I purchased it. It said I listened to Noah Gunderson, and all I got were these stupid feelings. And so I, <laughs> I, I couldn't resist buying that. Um, got to got to chat with Noah after the show. Got a signed vinyl and um, told him about the podcast. And he's not a music nerd, Wayne. So we we may not be having Noah on the the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's too bad. One of those. Yeah. Wait, wait. Are you a white T-shirt guy too, Ben? Are you well, like me? Well, the reason why I'm I'm a white T-shirt guy is it's now February. I, I just got done with the soccer game, and it's February, and it's 80 degrees outside here in Florida. And so um, I have a ton of black T-shirts, and yeah. those are just not practical for the Florida sun. And Wayne just says, well, wear them inside. Well, I get it. Yeah, I'm going to wear it inside, but I'm outside, <laughs> I'm outside a lot. So... Yeah, the white T-shirts are more practical for me, and I've already got a closet full of black T-shirts. So, you know, when I see a white T-shirt that looks cool and has a cool saying, like, uh, you know, all I got were these stupid feelings, I got a purchase. <laughs> no, no, fair enough. I, I, I don't like black T-shirts myself, even though the entire rest of the world does. So, <laughs> like, Just like Johnny Cash, until there's no hunger and... Uh, <laughs> Racial divides in America. <laughs> then, then I'll then I'll wear white T-shirts. You're going to be wearing right. Them. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's 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 jump into it. So, so Ronnie, you know, we already touched on on Kim's passing. Um, you know, condolences to 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 you and the band. Um, I also read that you had lost lost your mom the, uh, in 2019 as well. Correct. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Liter- uh, two days after Kim passed away, my mom passed away so it was uh uh that kind of week yeah i don't think is is possible ever again uh in my life yeah so it's uh yeah it's been a little it's it's been a little rough and uh will continue to be so because uh time it just takes time to kind of move past these things if you even do so yeah yeah you know kim had a terminal disease so that was i don't want to say it was expected but but you know, you knew that it, you knew that it would happen. But uh, yeah, my mother, even though my mother was eighty-three, uh, she wasn't like in the hospital or anything. So that was a bit of a surprise. So, yeah, yeah twenty nineteen. Thanks for the condolences. Was, uh, yeah, hugs out to you, man. Because uh, twenty nineteen was not kind to 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 me either. I lost my dad last year, um, right around that same time period in uh, September of last year. So twenty. 29- oh, yeah. 2019 was good for many respects, but it's always going to be marred by, you know, that was, that was the, the year that my dad passed. So uh, I feel you. Oh, man. Yeah. Hugs out to you, man. Yeah. I was going to say a big hug to you. So yeah. in our white t-shirt. Absolutely. <laughs> Actually, my utopia shirt is a Jersey shirt, but, but that's, I don't want to get too technical. Even <laughs> even better, like like Utopia, you know, has to have that '70s vibe of a jersey shirt, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Always wanted to have like one of these cheesy bootleg designers do a muff shirt, but I never knew how to find them. Like I, I wanted to have one of those ones from the '70s, big loud design, lots of colors, cheap black T-shirt you can see through. 
Right. Oh, well, another idea that didn't happen. But. <laughs> just just go to the swap meet on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, you'll probably find <laughs> a dozen of those bootleggers out there. So, yeah. So, so you were you were a referral from Mighty Joe Vincent. Did he uh, did he tell you what record he chose to revisit? He did. He did. Uh, uh, and I was proud of him for uh, picking a one that somebody you know that no one else thought. You know, the obvious Ramones pick is going to be the first one, or Rocket to Russia, or you know, Leave Home is actually my favorite one. But uh, yeah, I'm proud of him for picking that one. and, and it's kind of funny. We've got we've got this little punk referral line. So before him was Eric Davidson of New Bomb, Bomb Turks, and and, and, oh, yeah. he, and he picked he picked the Dead Boy's second record instead of picking okay you know the obvious first record, which is just you know fantastic. And so I'm uh, when you sent to me, hey, I, we're going to do the Knack second record. It just made me laugh because I'm like, <laughs> well, of course. I mean, this, this, this little punk referral line is not going to pick the obvious <laughs> records. Um, so I, it just made me laugh when, when you when you chose that that particular record. So yeah, I think those guys are thinking like me, like you know, all the all the all the big records are celebrated. You know what I mean? Like and broken down. Like we, you know. We don't need to talk about Marquee Moon or, you know, Love Forever Changes or, you know, you know, it's like Mojo Magazine. Like, how many times can can you write about Joy Division? I mean, they keep finding ways, but, you know, so I thought I'd, yeah, pick pick the next. Get the Knack is a better record. OK, I'll say that first off. I don't know. If, I don't know if we're getting into the record yet here, but um, it's obviously a better record. But I, I think the second Knack record is, is great as well. So, yeah, I I, I thought, um, you know, I'm. I'm sorry, I kind of bummed probably you guys out having to listen to this record, but oh no, not at all. <laughs> no, you know, okay, we, okay. We, I got... we 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 like being able to 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 go down the 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 less traveled road, so it's it, it, it's good. In fact, um, as soon as you picked this record, uh, the next day I was in a record store, and um, what's the 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 third neck record? What is that? Round trip. Round trip. Yeah, round trip. Yeah, so it, it, that was in the 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 five dollar bin there at the record store in pristine condition. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm grabbing this, and that is surprisingly <laughs> a really stellar record. Like, I know that yeah. the critics were not super hip on them. I think maybe they kind of just uh, had had passed them off based off of this second record, but. That third record is is great. I've I've spun it a couple times since I've purchased it. And it's re- it's really underappreciated record. No, no, they really stretched out on that one. I mean, there's lots of different stuff going on on that one, like you know, jazzy influences and and yeah, no, I that's that's great that you got that record finally. Yeah, yeah. So should we talk about round trip? Maybe, maybe we should talk about round trip today. Maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't have my scores ready for that one, so maybe we'll have you back. Uh, okay. On. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> let, so let me go back to the muffs for for just a couple of minutes before we dive into the knack. So, um, sure. my question for you is: How often do you get? Hey, Ronnie, I found out about you guys from the Clueless soundtrack. Oh, I mean, uh, you know, I will not, I will not knock that. It's great to have something that we did that like I can bring up to virtually anybody and they're going to know exactly what I'm talking about, you know? So if I meet somebody on an airplane, they've seen clueless and they're going to remember kids in America. So, you know, it's not like, it's not like our song is buried in that film. You know, it's the first song on the record and it's the, the opening of the movie and it's, 
a catchy song and a, you know, hey, we I have a platinum record for that. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, that soundtrack, uh, that yeah, soundtrack cannot, is really I, I, good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The soundtrack's actually really good. And, um, you know, it's funny. We didn't, we never played that song live um, until just like five or six years ago when the uh, Clueless came out on vinyl for the first time. So, so they, we, we did some press for it and we actually uh, got asked to play the song on this VH1 morning show uh, called Morning Joe or something. It's not around anymore. Hosted by Nick Lachey from 98 Degrees. Nice. Uh, Jessica Simpson's ex-husband. Yeah. Um, so we actually had to learn the song and we, we started playing it at shows around then and people go nuts. Like, it's like, okay, we knew we kind of had this hit single that wasn't really a hit single, but I mean, it really, like people really did perk up and, you know, they would post it on Instagram and stuff. So yeah, it is kind of like our, our hit single and, and that's fine. And you've made some mailbox money off of it, I would assume as well. Well, just, just performance stuff. We sadly did not write it. So, oh uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Like I always say, we, we bought Kim Wilde another house, you know, because <laughs> uh, <but laughs> I've heard of other people that, that actually like Cracker, like David Lowry and, um, you know, doing well off that. So, you know, yeah. what can you say? We got paid a flat fee for doing that song and uh, I'm just glad it exists. You know, would I like to ever, would I like to earn the money? Yes, I would. Yeah. But, uh. <laughs> well, you know, that's what happens. I, I would assume that there were a number of people like me where, so I, I bought Blonder and Blonder because of my introduction to, to you guys through kids, kids in America. Um, and I don't know why I didn't keep following your career. So this was, this was nice for, for me getting the referral for, for, for having you. Cause I dove into your, into your to your records and i'm like i've been missing out for the last 20 plus years uh and i and i Aww. and i and i feel bad because like i especially loved no holiday like i i probably listened to that record more the last two weeks than i did listen to the knack which is what i usually do to get ready for these shows so if my notes seem extremely incoherent it's because i've been listening more to the muffs than i have been listening to the knack um oh, thanks thanks for saying that yeah yeah going back to where to to blonder and blonder so you guys had that was on warner brothers so you were on sub pop for a few years and then you you got signed to warner brothers what what were their hopes for you guys? Because, I mean, they did realize that you guys were more of a punk band than a popular, you know, top forty type of 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 band. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I'm proud of it. Well, I'm proud of our band for a lot of reasons. But um, you know, we we you know we we would play punk festivals, we play garage festivals, we play power pop festivals. You know, we play with hard rock bands. I, I'm kind of proud of that. Like like we we kind of uh, skirted all these kind of genres a little bit. Um, we did a, a sub pop single early on, but, but we Warner brothers was talking to us literally 10 months after we started playing around town. And, um, you know, and that was like, that was in like uh, late 91, early 92. So, so, I mean, to be honest, I mean, we got snapped up in the kind of post Nirvana yeah. uh, major label wave of, of signing, you know, loud bands you know uh 
So I, I know that's why. Um, that said, uh, you know, we signed to Warner Brothers and, and they just liked what we did. I mean, if you if you listen to our first record, it's got like 16 songs on it. And they're, it's basically we put everything we recorded on there and, and including like an angry Samoans cover and a old dumb 30 second instrumental that yes. I wrote in practice. And, you know, they, they didn't the expectations were like kind of let this band do what they want. That said, after the first record, um, Green Day happened. And, and this is documented in Green Day books and stuff. But Green Day signed to Warner Brothers with our A&R guy after our first record. Um, they were fans of that record. So they signed and they took our A&R guy, our producer, our management, our booking agent. Um, when I say took, it's like they just they hired all those people. And then Dookie happened. So that's kind of why when Blonder came out, we, uh, well, first off, we switched over to Reprise, mm-hmm. um, just so all the Green Day people could work our record. Um, so that's why that record got a little bit more of a push, and we got a $60,000 video that was on 120 minutes. And, you know, and again, we, 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 we didn't compromise. You know, all those stories you hear about bands on major labels where, like, you turn in a record and the label doesn't hear singles and they want you to write more songs. That never happened with us. Like we, we had the easiest best time during our three, you know, album major label run. I mean, uh, you know, that said, as as commercial as I think we are, or or as I used to think we were, I mean, you know, we still have screaming and things and, 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 you know, it just, you know, we developed our audience that stayed with us, but you know, as far as crossing over to the, to the big, big time, it, it, it never happened, but you know, maybe that would have killed our band too. I mean, I mean, we, you know, we were around for 27 active years, which is yeah. unbelievable, you know, awesome. as this kind of mid-level working band, you know, and we went all over the world and, and I'm not, uh, the way our career went, I couldn't have asked for anything to be, much different to be honest yeah so yeah yeah i, I, watched... I meandered there a little bit but no yeah. that's uh, that, that's awesome that's awesome love love the yeah. history of it yeah I, I watched uh yeah. i watched a video uh, a live video of you guys at amoeba records a few years ago and and uh you know kim even said yeah this is our one hit sad tomorrow they gave us sixty thousand dollars <laughs> to make a video and it got played twice on mtv so <laughs> Yeah, it's true. It's yeah. true. And that was the, uh, that was directed by the Green Day video guy. You know, it was all, <laughs> it was yeah. all tied in. Yeah.
Um, so, so from Warner Brothers, you guys moved to. Did I get? Am I getting this right? Honest Don's Records. Yeah, um, we we signed to to Fat Records. Honest Don's is kind of a uh, kind of more popular kind of thing that Fat Records had at the time. Okay. Uh, so we signed to Fat Records, and 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 you know, Fat Mike, he's a great guy, and we, and we turned in the record, and he's like, oh, I thought, and he he described it as, I, I thought you'd make a fast record, and I was like haven't you heard our uh, records lately? And he's like, yeah, I know. I don't know what I was thinking. You know, he was cool about it, but it was not a punk record. So that's why it ended up on Honest Don's. And okay. Honest Don's had bands like us and Chicks Dig It and I don't know what else. But yeah, that was a one-off thing. And that's actually kind of our dark horse, underrated, out-of-print record at this point. We're talking um, about Alert Today, Alive Tomorrow? Yes, yes that so that was one of my favorite discoveries this week um and and going back to what you said about get yeah, it we weren't just full on punk i love the fact that you could move from a song like room with with no view which was you know um softer m- more melodic to then you yeah. throw a punk song on like dear liar love me and that was yes. and that was that was what i loved about the records that I, that I was listening to this this week of, of your guys is, is you guys could do it all. Like you could do the punk stuff and you could do just these really, I'm not trying to offend you when I say this, but melodic yeah. pop songs. Like you, you could do the pop oh, yeah. songs. Oh yeah. No, no. I mean, even, even the, the punk ones have melody under all that, you know, fast stuff, uh, you know, yeah. and noisy, like Kim's, songwriting is is you know it's deceptively it sounds simple but actually there's generally a lot going on under there mm-hmm. so yeah. thanks yeah. for noticing yeah i mean we're, we're a pop band i mean that's what i think yeah I, one of the things like i say like you said her lyrics she has this bratty delivery but they're really smart lyrics and she's at, i mean she's sincere and sarcastic in the same song, sometimes at the same time. She was an incredible <laughs> songwriter and a really underrated guitar player. Yeah, no, I, I I agree. I mean, having stood next to her on stage all those years, I mean, yeah, she was uh, she was she she was something else. And I and I know that the songs. I mean, I know that's ultimately that the thing that kept us around all those years. You know, um, I mean, we were we were a decent live act or whatever, but um, it, it it really comes down to the songs. I think in, in music in general. So, yeah. and her songwriting was, is timeless. Like it's, you know, it's really kind of Mersey beat ish uh, for the most part, you know? And like I said, I'll, I'll, I'll dressed up in some, some loud, loud guitar and stuff. Yeah. So thanks for noticing. Yeah. Guys. Well, well, the only thing, the one thing, cause it drew, I listened to mostly uh, the stuff that I could get on Amazon. So alert today, alive tomorrow, uh, really, really Really, really happy, which was probably my favorite, and whoop de doo, which I love to watch the the growth in the band on the, especially on those three, because they're like five years apart and ten years apart on the second one. And I just was I say I thought you guys were tailor made for alternative rock, especially like right around when Really, Really Happy came out. And I, I just it just racking my brain, and I came up with two theories: either if you and the drummer were girls, you guys could have got more Riot Girl action. <laughs> or because what, what killed it, I, I what, what ultimately I think hurt, I guess hurt. It's not the way I'd want to put it, but that pop punk thing from that, you know, all that stuff, the guys, the bands they signed out of that, 
that Green Day aftershocks were, you know, like All American Rejects and uh, Good Newfound Glory and Good Charlotte. Um, she's the lone female voice in all of that, and I, I, I have to believe that had something to do with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, all, all those kind of bands like are, are were fans of our bands, which are our band, which is nice. Um, you know, I don't know. You, you could sit here and say, why didn't we get bigger? I, you know, there's all sorts of reasons. I mean, it takes a little luck, a little talent, a little being at the right place at the right time. I mean, maybe we should have, you know, broken up and reformed, and then you can come back with that that kind of thing. Um, you know, a la Sweeter Kenny or something. Right. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, uh, it just bothers you know, me. It is like, what it is. Yeah. I thought your guys' stuff was far and away better. Like I say, I love Really, Really Happy. That that's a, that's a great record. And for the time that it was out, I think it's head and shoulders above what those other bands that I just mentioned were putting out. And so it just, no, thanks, it just bothered me. I had to have, I had to make up a theory because I. I no, no, thanks for saying that. I, I was always proud of the fact that our, our Warner records, our Warner Brothers records never went out of print. Um, and I'm, I'm really proud of that because, because most of the bands uh, on the label from that era, you know, bands like Mud Honey and Babes in Toyland, those, those are long out of print, even like L7. Like, so, you know, I, they must have steadily just sold a little bit for them to, you know, for, Warner Brothers to keep them keep them around. So I, I'm actually quite proud of that. That's very cool. Thanks for mentioning. Really, really happy. That was our record after alert today. And uh, yeah, um, we're hoping to redo the. Uh, we're hoping to redo those uh, kind of, you know, with bonus tracks and liner notes, like we did with our first three records. So we're hoping to do uh, alert today and, and really, really happy. We own really, really happy. We don't own alert today. So oh, okay. You're trying to make that happen right now. So gotcha. oh, I, I shouldn't have said anything. I probably shouldn't say anything <laughs> publicly about that, but too late. Uh, too late. We'll keep, we'll, we'll keep that quiet. No, Only hundreds won't. of people, Bye. hundreds of people sometimes listen to this. So, <laughs> okay. You're underselling us, man. <laughs> hundreds, hundreds, hundreds and hundreds. All right. Oh, so, the triple digits. Yeah. We are, we are, we are. So I never got to see you guys live. So if I was a diehard Muffs fan, what are the songs that those diehards would expect to hear live? Like, give, give me what, give me what uh, uh, is typically would have typically been on a set list to help those who may not be super familiar with the muffs get familiar with the muffs. Um, well, off the top of my head, I mean, I mean, Blonder and Blonder is our kind of most well-regarded record by, by the people and it's sold the most. And, and um, the heart of that record remained in our set list, you know, for, for the rest of our career. So uh, things like Onina, um, yeah. And agony and uh sad tomorrow. You know, uh there there's kind of a uh, the song on and on in there. Like we we play that song every set. Um it might not be our most popular song, but it was popular with us. So we played that one every set. Um uh as a band, we Happy Birthday to Me is like was always kind of our favorite. Like oh, um love that. Some of my favorite songs are on that one. Things like All Blue Baby.
that. I'm not looking at the records. Um, uh, oh God, I'm drawing a blank. I can't remember our own songs. Put um, you on the spot. Sorry. Also, th- also things from the first album, um, like Lucky Guy. Um, you know, I. The, 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 it, it was hard to. I mean, the, the fans, our fans were great, and 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 we're, we're always going to leave fan favorites out of any set we played. But um, you know, those are kind of ones that stuck around. Big Mouth from the first album. That's all my love. Uh, we'd always kind of throw that one in there, have a little garagey song. Um, yeah. You know, and then um, you know, at the end uh, after Whoopie Do, um, Take a Take Me was one of, ended up being one of our best live songs, um, and it was kind of different. Like we 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 kind of we kind of developed these things where we kind of break down in the middle of songs, Kim would dance, and <laughs> well, I'm calling it dancing. You know, we we just do different kind of weird stuff and. Even on the breakdown of Ethel My Love, we would kind of go off on weird things musically, which, yeah, anyway, it was always fun. So, so what is the legacy of, of the Muffs and, and Kim? What, uh, what do you guys want to be, what do you want her to be remembered for? Because I, the, look, she had the best screaming growl of, of any female <laughs> singer ever. Uh, and we've and we've talked about a number of uh, you know female vocalists on on the podcast so far, but oh my gosh, I like uh, and even on No Holiday, um, knowing that you guys were recording that uh, you know towards the end of end of her life, she still she still gave it the growl uh, on a number of, well, those, of those songs. Yeah, well, well No Holiday actually. Uh, all all that was recorded before she got sick, and oh. they were demos. Besides, there, there's like three there's like three songs that that are like fully produced that we had kind of laying. I don't want to say laying around, but they were kind of they didn't make whoopie do, and they're good mm-hmm. songs. Um, but so that's why um, no holiday. Like every song kind of sounds a little different because uh, all right, yeah. Most of that record most most of that record was written to be our next record. Um, but when Kim got sick, she couldn't sing or play anymore. So we had to kind of build around that. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of a misconception that those things were written knowing it was our last record. They, none of, nothing was written knowing it was going to be our last record. Gotcha. Uh, she just got sick and it affected her really quick. And we had to kind of take a different course of action in completing that record. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if, if you or the listeners know much about AOS, but... Um, it basically takes takes over your body and shuts everything down. And um, so she wasn't able to move or speak for the last year and a half of her life and, you know, communicated with a device that read her eyeball. And, you know, so that said, she produced and oversaw, uh, you know, No Holiday. And, 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 you know, I'm so happy that it just sounds like a record because I didn't know. You never know, especially in that kind of situation where everything kind of, like I say, sounds a little different and is recorded a little different. And, yeah, well, you, um, you guys fooled me because I, I thought it was a, I thought it was a fully produced record, and some of the things that I had read out there of reviews seemed to to indicate that it was one of those records that you guys put put together, and it wasn't just yeah, like Black Star or something. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Yeah, no, it's great to hear you say that because. Um, you know, I know the record will forever kind of have the, you know, baggage is the wrong word, but it's always going to be, have that kind of hanging over it. Um, but no, it's great to hear you say that because, you know, she was around, but 
she 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 passed away only like three weeks before it came out. So we were already kind of doing press and stuff and kind of, you know, she was private about her illness. So we had to kind of say like, Oh, we like the feel of these demos. And we were, you know, that kind of, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, so I always wondered how people would kind of react to it, you know, just hearing it organically, not knowing the uh, backstory, but you know, by the time it came out, that didn't happen. So great to hear you say that. Yeah, I, you know, and you brought up the fact that she she didn't publicly announce it. I think it it threw you know all of us in the music community uh, for a loop when we I started seeing you know Ken Stringfellow posting on on Facebook about you know Kim's passing. I'm like, what? Like, um, yeah. I, I think we were all surprised, and and based off of what I know of the band and, and what you're telling us about Kim as well, who never really wanted the spotlight completely on her. It, it doesn't surprise me that, you know, that, that wasn't yeah. publicly marched out there where I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm struggling with, with ALS and, and whatnot. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, look, look, she did like the spotlight, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I can, I can, uh, after she died and all the, all the tributes came out and, and all, it was really overwhelming. I, I mean, I knew it would be a big deal, but it was really like a much bigger deal than I thought. And I'm so proud of that. Like, you know, it made the news in other countries and, you know, Elvis Costello, you know, did a posting about it. And the, the Who put pictures of us at the Hollywood Bowl. Um, That's awesome. Up on the screens. You know, I mean, I can see where, where she would have enjoyed that kind of attention. But on the other hand, she didn't want to deal with, with that. And, she didn't want to be defined by being, yeah. you know, having that disease. So yeah. I understood. Yeah. And you guys, you guys have a tribute show for, for Kim. I, I saw this on the internet while I was going through, through uh, some research. So, so tell us about the tribute show that's happening there in California in, uh, in March. Yeah. Uh, March 15th at the El Rey. We have a, uh, it's a memorial show um, with some of our, friends playing so we have a uh, red cross and baruch assault and that dog and vicky peterson from the bangles and kathy valentine from the go-go's and Kay hanley pandora's uh coolies and honey chain yeah so and me and roy are kind of hosting it um awesome i guess not kind of me and roy are hosting <laughs> and uh and we might <laughs> i think we're gonna kind of uh have a little mini kind of set with some other people too of some off songs. So yeah, it's going to be a good afternoon and, and, uh, it's a bit, you know, it's a benefit. So all the proceeds are going to ALS, um, Shepard Ferry, who did the famous Obama hope poster. Yeah. Did, he did the portion of Kim for this poster. Um, that's pretty amazing. And, um, yeah, so it's going to be a good, it's going to be a good day. It's going to be a lot of, a lot of laughter and, and there's going to be some tears too. I know it. So, um, yeah, there was never any kind of public. Kim had two. Only Kim could have two funerals, but Kim had two funerals, but they were both private, so there hasn't really been anything public. So I guess this is the closest thing we've gotten to that. That's so, it. That's it. That's going to be a good day. That's a good lineup. Yeah, you guys. Yeah, you guys are going to do a good, good, good tribute for for Kim. Uh, yeah. Wish I could be there. Yeah. No, she. Would, yeah. She'd be very happy. Yeah, get out here, you guys. <laughs> just 
Head that Harley Davidson from Vegas to here. <laughs> All right, Wayne. Yeah. I hear What day is it? <laughs> it's a Sunday. It's March 15th. It's an afternoon show, though. So a lot of the old people were complaining. Like, I can't go out on a Sunday. <laughs> it's like, well, it's a Sunday afternoon. Okay, you'll be home by 8 o'clock. <laughs> I hear that from Wayne all the time. Uh, what? You want me to stay up how late on a on a on a work night? Yeah, I work yep, early. Yep. No, no, you do. No, you do. All right. Well, this let's. Is what happens with an aging demographic? Sorry, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's transition over to uh, to the neck, but um, we have to ask one last question before we transition to the the record that you chose. So we've been asking all of our guests their opinion of Toto's Africa. Is it a good or a bad song? Oh, it's a fantastic song. It's unbelievably great. Always has been. But the fact that Weezer is, you know, in the, you know, I, anyway. (laughs) 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 I'm just saying Weezer does like a buy, you know, they have not changed a thing. It's the same arrangement and like, you know, people freak out over it. And then Toto was stuck covering Hashpipe, which is like, not a very good song. No, it's it, it, yeah. <laughs> I saw I saw Total uh, live last year, and uh, uh, me and my friend who who went to the show, we kind of looked at each other and we we're like, "I get the joke that you're doing Hashpipe, but you couldn't have picked a better song. Like, pick Beverly Hills, or <laughs> you know, pick the sweater song. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they do have some good songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah they true. do. Yeah, yeah, they do. All right. Well, uh, let's let's switch to the, no, to the record. I, None of their songs are as good as Africa, though. Let me, I just want to add that. Go ahead. Uh, to totally, totally agree with you on that. Yep. All right. So, so besides, uh, besides The Knack, any other records that you thought about to, to talk about? Oh, uh, like you mean contemplating it for this? Yeah. I mean, I, I have lots of favorite records. I mean, uh, you know, yeah, last night I was thinking like, oh, I should have picked, you know, Patty Smith's Wave would be a good one okay um uh because that's my favorite record by her and, and you know people celebrate horses or whatever and but yeah. uh that would be a good one um another second record devo's duty now for the future um i i my favorite devo record I, I i like are we not men but i mean i really think duty now is a better record um almost went with heaven tonight by cheap trick uh, uh, love that one that would have been a good one. Um, been talking about doing an episode at Live at Budokan since uh, probably what episode six. We started talking about doing it, and, <laughs> and now we're almost ninety episodes in. So one of these days we'll we'll get around to talking about Live at Budokan. Best live record out. There. No, no, that would be a good one. Yeah, that, no, that would be a good one. You, you you break down the original issue and then the the complete Budokan. Yeah, yeah, man, I was around when that kid that. I've never been more excited to see a band than I was in 1979 as a 14-year-old to see Cheap Trick. Like, I was just counting down the days and, uh, yeah, was not disappointed. So, Yeah. All right. Well, uh, so to remind the listeners what what record you chose. I chose the next second record, but the little girls understand. All right. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't think this record gets enough attention. Uh, and, and people, you know, the knack is kind of, not talked about enough in my opinion so i just, one of my favorite band yeah i just watched the uh the documentary about them um 
getting the knack getting the knack and and that yep. was that was that was a good documentary i i felt like um there was maybe a little too much focus on on doug because the the rest of the band they're all solid musicians like the the drumming oh, and yeah. the, the bass playing oh. in this record are just top notch oh those guys are unbelievable i mean bruce gary had a uh long career even before the knack like uh what he was in you know a band on casablanca called giants and i, I don't know he played on all, i don't have any information in front of but he played on all sorts of records and then even after the knack he he played on some of those hendrix uh reissues like yeah i think first days of the new rising sun and stuff like um unbelievable drummer yeah absolutely. and and prescott niles on bass as well i mean he he played around uh before the knack too. I mean, yeah, I'll, as you say, I mean, great musicians. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and that first record, like I was 10 years old when that, when that first record came out in 79 and it was everywhere. Like <laughs> it's, it's one of the most yeah. recognizable, uh, album covers of all time. And it, you couldn't go anywhere without hearing my Sharona and then it had a lot nice little resurgence in the uh, the the early '90s when it was on the Reality Bites soundtrack, where you've got the uh, uh, the the scene where Winona Ryder and um, now her name uh, Janine Garofalo <laughs> are are dancing in the in the mini mart, the AMPM mini mart uh, there. Um, so it had a nice little resurgence in the '90s as well, and I think that that helped the band kind of. Uh, reestablish themselves because they put a couple records out in the '90s as well. They did, they did, and, uh, and pretty good records too. Especially Zoom. Uh, that's that's another that's a good record too. It's not as good as the one we're about to talk about, but it, but it was still good. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you're right. Get the get the knack too was like big as soon as it came out. Like as far as I, I was 14, but um, it seems like yeah, you're right. That record was everywhere, and it was on the radio, and it was like it. It's not like it hung around under the radar for a few months. Like it was big as soon as it came out. Yeah, and it it definitely sounded as though. Um, so there are a couple flaws with this record. I will I will say, and I and I kind of blame I kind of blame the record label for for that because, um, you know that back in the the seventies and early eighties, the mentality of the record labels were we're going to put out two singles. And then you you turn around and make us another record, and we want you to make it pronto. And I don't think that the Knack was one of those bands that could do that. Could just go into the studio and churn something out of quality nature because I they got I think they got a little extra time for round trip, and it shows. Right. Yeah. I, I mean. In retrospect, we can see this, but I mean, yeah, I mean, this album came out like, I mean, 10 months after Get the Knack, something like that. I mean, and, and you, you can't blame the label necessarily. Like, I'm sure the Knack was raring to go and, and you know, they, they their egos, uh, that's documented too. They had some, some ego stuff going on and they, and they, I think they thought they could do no wrong and they, and they, they were just going to ride this thing, you know, even further. I mean, uh, when but the little girls uh, understand came out, I mean they headlined the forum here in L.A. They, they you know they they 
thought they were going to pull off arenas at that point. And, um, you know, as we know, they, they didn't, but, uh, yeah, like you say, I mean, bands were making two records a year, you know, back in the late seventies, that's just the way it was, but, uh, you know, yeah, they should have, uh, they should have milked, get the knack a little, a little harder, like Michael Jackson's thriller or something. Right. Right. Um, but didn't happen. Yeah. Cause there were, there were, but we have least... this great second record. <laughs> there you go. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, let's dive into this. So um, as a reminder, our scoring is based on number of songs on the record. Wayne, how many songs on this record? 12. Which means our top song is going to get 12 points. Next favorite, 11 on down to lowest score of one. And here we go. This is first single off the record. 12 songs. What a great number for a record, by the way. 12 songs. There you go. (laughs) All right. Here we go. Baby Talks Dirty. I would say this, um, you know, we just talked about how Get the Knack was super popular. You know, this was a lead single. It only peaked at number 38 on the Billboard Hot 100. And I would say this, um, you can't listen to this song without thinking about my Sharona, right? I thought it worked, that, that's what worked best for me. I think the reason that I gave this such a high score is and I think it got a lot of criticism and I read something that Doug Figer said that if this song would have been on their fifth album, people would have said they're getting back to their roots, getting back to the knack sound. And that's a completely fair thing to say. I mean, you're, you're, it's okay to sound like the knack when you're the knack. What I, where I have problems with on this record is when they sound like somebody else. And this one can really sounds like a combination of my favorite two knack songs, my Sharona and good girls don't. It, it's 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 okay to sound like the knack when you're the knack and the lyrics got some heat too and when you they, when you read them they're over the top but it doesn't play like, <laughs> it doesn't play like that when you're listening to the song it doesn't sound like gratuitous or gross or anything and there's a sense of humor about the most of Doug Figer's good songs so I, I don't I thought it got a lot of criticism for as good a song as it really is yeah I I, I agree I like that breakdown, Wayne. Like you're, you're right. Like you know, as a kid, I didn't notice the lyrics. I mean, and you're right. You read them. You read them now, and they they are definitely over the top. And the song is, yeah, a rewrite of my Sharona. But I mean, it's it's still a really good song. And and they during those years in the '90s where they reformed. I mean, this was their opening song, so hmm. they didn't hate this song. I can't believe it charted so low. That's shocking to me. Yeah. Wow. Maybe you know, it's because I, of all the, the, the sexual cliches in there. I mean, again, keep in mind, this is, this is February of 1980 when this, this came out. Yeah, so. but you, could, you could just think of the things you could get away. Like, this song, you could, if you wrote this song today, nobody would put it on tape. They would, they tell, they tell you to get it out of their office and set it on fire. They don't want, they don't want to be any part of this. They don't, um, but in 1981, it would have, 
yeah, I mean, clearly it was, it wasn't as big a deal. And I think there is a, I, I think the critics took it too seriously. It's a, it's, it's supposed to be fun. It sounds fun. It's, and, and like I say, it's got some great, it's using some of those great elements of my Sharona. I'll give you that, but it doesn't use them constantly through the whole song. I, I, I felt like it got, it got harshly criticized. You know, back in the sixties, this happened all the time. Like people would have a hit and they'd write something that sounds like it. Um, I mean, I think this is, this is a great standalone track. And also the, as far as lyrics, I mean, the knack was no stranger to, to that. I mean, on get on good girls. Don't it's got the yeah. line about sitting on her, on your face or whatever. I mean, that's, that's arguably even more over the top than talking about a girl that likes to be whipped or whatever the song's about. <laughs> yeah. And, and so Wayne, you're telling me that in today's world, nobody is going to write a lyric of my little lady, like a licky. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, where, they, where they get it's going to get rough is where she wants to be beat and and oh uh, that okay there's just i would say in a total body of work after me hashtag me too you're no one's going to let you put this on they're not going to pay you to put this on a record you could i mean this is america you could do whatever you want but uh <laughs> it wouldn't be on the radio and it yeah. wouldn't it wouldn't be on streaming services all right fair enough fair enough all right anything else on baby talk sturdy the seven inch has another great picture sleeve. I don't know if you're, you guys are familiar with the NAC seven inch picture sleeves, but they, uh, the early ones often had Sharona herself on the covers and, uh, in very, uh, kind of semi provocative poses. Is this the white t-shirt one? Tea through. No, that's my Sharona, but this one, okay. um, she's kind of sitting, it's kind of a side view and she's got a leg lifted and yeah, it's another great picture sleeve. There you go. <laughs> All right, let's get some scores. Graphics are important to me as well. Yeah, we'll get to the cover of this too at the end, but yeah. go ahead. Yeah, there you go. Wayne, your score? 12. This was my favorite song. All right, Ronnie? It, it was close, but... Oh, wow. Uh, I gave this a nine. Okay. So it's it's up there, but yeah, not 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 my favorite on the record, but I, I do love the song. Yeah, and I, I give this a six, and the reason why is... I I just kind of got over by the end of the song of of Doug's um really getting to the climax of things during the the chorus so it just got <laughs> it got a, it got a little overblown for me if he would have done maybe half of those you know uh uh I probably would have I probably would have <laughs> liked this song a little bit better but there you go there's my reasoning uh, uh, I'm sorry make that sound again uh, no, 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 nope, nope. <laughs> okay, you're, okay. you're gonna have to rewind the tape for for that again. All right. <laughs> Next song is "I Want Ya." I would say the, the the praise and the criticism that the knack has experienced was maybe unharshly was the criticisms to the Beatles. 
or the the comparisons to the Beatles. And I feel like this this song feels like an early Beatles song. And I say that it's an early Beatles song because it's like two and a half minutes long, and it's you know one of these pop ditties, and it's just a really good song. It's it's I've, super catchy. Yeah, I feel like this is a Beatles song via Cheap Trick, though. This is oh, yeah, 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 total power pop with a new wave edge. This is as good as anything Cheap Trick was doing at the at the time. But this, there's a little bit of that power pop Cheap Trick kind of a sound in the first one, but it's really on here. This is this was I this was almost my favorite song. This it was close. I really like this is the song I hadn't heard before that I absolutely will listen to many times in the future. The drumming on this one is just awesome. Flat out amazing. And then oh, yeah. when he does that that now there's a now there's some fade away at the end towards the end of the choruses. It just gives it this whole it just is a really well rounded it has a lot of different a lot of different elements, a lot of roller coaster ride. This is just a great song. Yeah, you got you guys nailed it. I mean, this is a per, this is a near perfect pop song, and yeah, it's Beatles. I mean, any power pop is Beatles influence. What you know? Let's face it. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it, it's it's a wonderful song and a, and a great track too. I'm I'm real big on second tracks of records, and uh, I think you need a real knockout for track two, and uh, it, this one definitely delivers. And, and yeah, as you guys say, the, the 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 drumming is just stellar. They're such great musicians, and and as we said before, they they really don't get recognized for that enough. Yeah. So so we like to do a lot of what ifs on this podcast. So do you think that this second record would have changed uh, in popularity had they not gone with "Baby Talks Dirty" as the lead single and maybe? thrown this out as a single because this wasn't even a single you know wayne you to to your point of discovering it now um yeah i mean why wasn't this a single <laughs> yeah that, I, I don't know it boggles my mind this is because yeah. it's again it's just such a catchy song all right no, it, it, you're right it would have been this would have been a good first single and then you follow it up with the sharona sound alike yeah but yeah retrospect yeah retrospect absolutely all right <laughs> so this is this is my favorite song this gets a 12 wayne 11 and then ronnie yep i'm 11 too cool so right. my second favorite song on the record yeah and you know on any other day it could be the, my favorite song yeah. yeah absolutely yep yeah all right next song is tell me you're mine Do you get extra points for using the word 
palpitation in your lyrics? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I think so. In, in, in any, any word with that many syllables in a song, in a pop song, yeah. And he does it a lot. It sounds like Buddy Holly. Yeah. <laughs> this is one of their heavy Buddy Holly influence songs. Very much so. Um, I, I also got a very, um, especially at the beginning, Wayne, we we did uh, a, a Shins record recently. I feel like the, the, the opening part almost feels like the opening part of Kissing the Lipless. I got a lot of I Fought the Law. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, but Buddy Holly makes a lot of sense, too. But I, I yeah, it's a Buddy Holly beat, and I, I, I like that it's just so different. I, that's that's one thing about this record too. There are some different, you know, different things on this record, and this is our first kind of taste of that as you're hearing the record, you know. And that is one. that is Doug singing, right? Because it's it's yeah, it's him. definitely got more of a you know to your point of it feels more like a, a little bit of channeling Buddy Holly to that instead of just being straight up Doug. Yeah, just that beat. And yeah, and the way he is singing, uh, yeah, I guess he is singing in kind of a different, different voice, if you will. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a nice different kind of color for the record. And we've already talked uh, about the drumming before, so I love the drumming in this in this song. Um, oh yeah, uh, that big bassy like tribal type uh, drumming. Yeah, that, his voice ultimately, and the and the and that Buddy Holly. Feel, I guess I wasn't prepared for it because it. I felt like they, I, they had me cooked in with this power pop, and then they, he just he flipped it around on me a little bit. Um, I also want to say Bert, Burton does some very nice lead guitar things on this. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I I love that little now. I mean, he's really a good melodic yeah. player. Very Jimmy in, Jimmy Page influence. Uh, yeah, I, I that's what I talk about, but yeah. That's in my notes. He's got like three solos in here that are, are, are really the highlights of the song for me. Again, really good. Anything lyrically on this song? Cause I, I like, I like the last, I like the last verse. I think it's a, the, the rhyming up to that point is a little, is a little corny. You know, we just talked about palpitation and he uses aggravation and hesitation reservation. And then the last versus now i know there's another connotation there's another rhyme it's almost like he's like i, I already know that you guys are probably you know goof, <laughs> goofing on me a little bit with with using you know misinterpretation and you know admiration and you know all of these bigger type of words um and then he throws out that line and i just think it just he nails it. I, I love that the fact that he <laughs> saved that line until the end of the song. I feel like it uh, it it hammers the 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 message home. So it's cool. I like it. I love that you notice that. I've never. I I don't really like notice lyrics for the most part unless they like really like stand out. You know. Um, so I've never actually really taken that in. Thank you. Yeah, yeah I'm. The, I, I think I'm, that's fantastic. I'm yeah. a I'm a lyric guy totally. So, all right. Let's get some scores. This is my seven. Wayne. Did I lose oh. Wayne? Uh, no, I said five, but I had my cough button on, so you didn't know that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and Ronnie? I got a four on this one. All right. So, and that leads us yeah. to Mr. Handleman.
want to start by saying, like, this was the song that my, I grew up in Houston, Texas, and um, the rock station, big rock station growing up was KLOL, and this is the song they played from this record. Because, um, <laughs> you know, FMC, and I, I, I was already a Knack fan, but I, I just, I never, I never understood, talking about lyrics, like, I, I never understood the words Mr. Handelman and what that's supposed to mean. Um, maybe if I read the other lyrics, I would get it, but, uh, uh, yeah. So I've always kind of struggled with this song. I, I never really liked that title and I don't, I don't understand it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, cre- it's super creepy. I, the, the guy's pimping out his wife in a pop song. And what, what my, what, <laughs> what was crazy for me is musically it's, it's very interesting. There's some piano in it. It's got, you know, there's a, there's a Joe Jackson vibe. And then I think the question really begs, is she, is she really going out with him? Are you really going to send your wife off with it's it, the, that creepy factor, it, it brings it down. Cause I think musically it's super interesting. It's, it's different. And, and but in a good way, but then the, the whole theme is just wrong. And I like, <laughs> these are, these are things that are whispered about around the water cooler and on Craigslist. <laughs> The piano and the beat are super hypnotic, but I just can't get over the song's lyrics of, you know, take my wife home, take my wife home. And if that makes me approved, so be it. But yeah, uh, I just couldn't get over it. The, the The musicality of it. Yeah, I like if there were different lyrics and it was, I don't know. I have no idea what Mr. Handelman is. I don't know what that means. I, think, I think you do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't see it. I didn't see it on, uh, you know, my 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 uh, my urban dictionary. So the, I guess maybe you need to add the the uh, definition on urban dictionary. I'm not touching his hand. That's, that's that guy's <laughs> job. You guys are right. It really is uh, a good musically. It really is interesting. But um, I guess my, you know, not not being a lyric guy, I really didn't like delve into the lyrics. But I guess my inclination was correct. The lyrics were weird, even though I didn't. Uh... God, you're right. I never thought about that. Take my wife home and all that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's he getting at there? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's let's get some scores on Mr. Handleman. Uh, Wayne, what you got? A six. And then Ronnie. Uh, I got a five on this one. Yeah, I matched. I'm matching your five. I just couldn't get over the lyrics and the, the that. Again, musically, I love it. But then you start yeah, listening no, to the, the lyrics and you're like, Ugh. all right, <laughs> uh, next song. Can't put a price on love. I would say go back to my criticism of Baby Talks Dirty, where they're trying to sound like Sharona, and then they make a song like this, and you get a reminder that they can write a ton of songs that sound nothing like each other. This is another really good pop ditty. In my opinion, I know my my score is 
is way higher than your guys's. I really like this song. This was um, this was actually the second single off the record. It only reached number sixty-two on the <clears throat> Billboard Hot 100, and then they didn't release another single off of it. So what did it what did it reach when the Rolling Stones released it as Beast of Burden? <laughs> this is the, the, I have two questions. Much higher. This, yeah. I have two questions about this song. Did they not know that it was that they were completely ripping off the Rolling Stones? Or do they think that we don't know? Because this is so blatant that it's it though I could not wrap my head around those like how do you do this? Because they're talented guys. This is their second album. This song shouldn't be on here. They they somebody should have said, Hey, uh Mick Jagger has got a team full of lawyers. What do we we gotta we, don't do this? <laughs> I just could not God, get you're kinda of right. <laughs> you know so, what? Yeah. I I did not I did not equate this with Beast of Burden. It has been a while since I've listened to some stones. Well, so I, yeah. Well you're the stones guy though. I didn't either, but it's a complete yeah, the little guitar licks, even. Yeah, yeah even the little guitar licks. Yeah, I never thought about that either. <laughs> so um, that that wow. the lyrics are cliche. They're not up to what he's has done. And like I say, they're completely knocked off. And I, I and I'm and I'm they're gonna they hurt me because I, Beast of Burden is to me is probably the second sexiest song in rock and roll right behind Let's Get It On. All right. Yeah, I always hated the opening line to this song. So that that always kind of took it down for me too but uh i like the music like a cigarette i I like yeah 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 you're smoking like a cigarette and i was burned i was cast aside i always thought that was dumb i I, you know again i only i only notice lyrics when they kind of stick out um yeah i i I like this song but uh god yeah it is kind of beast of burden yeah hey ronnie so um my favorite lyrics on this song are you smoked me like a cigarette i was burned i was cast aside <laughs> okay, See, that makes it such a wonderful world. We all uh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, and that's and that's kind of why my score is a little bit higher. I think it's just a catchy song, and and now Wayne, I'm gonna have to re-listen to it, and and with that Beast of Burden uh, vibe to it. So uh, now, yeah, I, thanks, uh, Wayne. You just ruined the song. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm sorry, but yeah, I'm sorry, and I'm not sorry. No, no, nah, don't, don't, don't apologize. <laughs> Zach, they're kind of the Stone Temple pilots of the uh, late seventies. Right, right. Yeah, I can meaning see. That they, meaning that they ate different styles. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So this is my this is my ten. Wayne, what you got? Holy shit, a four! Wow. And then Ronnie. Oh, and I'm and I'm going the low. I'm I'm three on this one. All right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next song. Hold on tight and don't let go. And if your song is uh, around a minute great. and a half, that's pretty much a punk sensibility, right? Minute and a half songs. This is a great like side one closer, I think, being a little quick, you know, poppy song. And and I I, I think this one's written to be like a really good live song. 
you know, like the, you always kind of need songs like this in the, in the set. And uh, I think this is a good little snappy number. Yeah, absolutely. I love, you can tell he's playing a different guitar. It sounds almost like, you know, like one of those hollow body Gibsons that Chuck Berry used. There's a complete different sound in the guitar itself. And I, I just, it was straight to the point. It's, and several times on this record, they kind of go throwback to like early rock and roll stuff. And I think this is one of the times where they really, they really do it well. Yeah. I'd, I'd agree with that. Yeah. And this follows like three, three songs that were kind of different, you know, and they're back to the little short little power pop song here. So, so with a song that is, that is, uh, that is so uh, fast so, so Ronnie, I know you guys have the have a lot of songs that are that are super fast. Um, how much how much downtime do you need after you play one of those songs before you jump into another one? Oh, uh, we you know in our band we tried to kind of we, we would we would construct a set in blocks of like four or five songs and try to just try to just play them straight through. Um, you know, kind of like. Kind of like the Ramones did. Um, yeah. and, and our set list, we would draw lines after, like, you know, what we wanted to have breaks. Um, obviously, sometimes that doesn't work out. But, yeah, um, you know, so a fast song, you either want to kind of start the little block of songs or, or end the little block of songs with that before you take your breather. So, um, yeah. So I guess, yeah, I never thought about the song and its placement. But, yeah, I guess it's that kind of little blast there. Um, yeah. And that's going to end side one. And um, and like a lot of our songs, this one, you know, it's got a bridge. It's got, you know, two verses, three choruses, solo. You know, it's got all the parts. It's just short. And yeah, I mean, how long is this one? Is it under two minutes? Yeah. 132. 132. Yeah. yeah 132. Wow. Yeah. Perfect. Yep. <laughs> all right. Let's get some scores on this. This is my eight. Wayne? Seven. And then Ronnie? Uh, and I got a six. Okay. And let's, yeah. let's let's flip the record over. Here's the hard way. sound you have for that the flipping of the record. no i don't i don't I really <laughs> what i'd really love to do is just have a real quick uh gaslight anthem uh you know their their song 45 you know where he talks about flip the record over uh yeah oh, okay yeah that's, that's what we should be doing for 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 this but yeah we we're uh we're we're not quite up to that uh, level of production um there's right. a good Albert Brooks has a good bit like that on one of his two records too about flipping the record. So there's oh. another. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so Wayne, you like this song a little more than Ronnie and I do. Why? Why do you like the hard way? Well, you're never going to make your record worse by putting a kink song on there. Uh, and they add they add this 
I listened to the the original by the Kinks, which is a great song, but this one even has uh, has more energy. And they don't. You, there's a piano, I think, in the Kinks version. And this, so this, they kind of give it their own uh, spin. I don't know if it's exactly right because they don't really change it. But they play it faster. Like it's a it's two thirty. 235 for the kinks and they they knock it out in 213 so they they just rev it up and take this great song that's that when you read the lyrics it's it fits right in with with their with their themes and their style and then they just like say you're never going to hurt yourself by covering the kinks just ask van halen yeah yeah i i i just score this one low because it's a cover song um you know, that, that's, they do do a great version. I mean, the song is not a, it's, it's obscure, you know, it still is. Um, I didn't know it at the time. Um, and they do do a good version of it, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, scoring it low just, just cause it's a cover and, uh, I'm not necessarily a fan of cover songs. Okay. So, yeah. Fair enough. Uh, and I didn't listen to the Kinks version. I kept meaning to to, to listen to it. Do, does Ray Davies say illiterate the, the way that Doug says illiterate? Uh, I believe so. I didn't pay a super amount of attention, but I know that I'm curious to know if this is what inspired Nick Lowe because Cruel this to is be kind. The, uh, yeah, and uh, this that line is used in 75 by the kinks and he didn't write his song till 78. So yeah, I'm curious. I don't know. I have nothing hmm. to indicate that he did, but well, I think he did pronounce it that way, but I could be wrong. Okay. Cause uh, it, it's a pretty straight ahead cover. Um, as Wayne said, they kind of do it a little faster, but yeah, you know, it's, it's pretty much as is. Yeah. All right. So Wayne, what you got for your score? 10. And then Ronnie. Uh, this is my this is my one. Okay. And again, just because it's a cover. Yeah. There you, there you go. And this is my four. So we're all over the place for scores. All right. Next song. It's you. Another song, just uh, ah. just over two minutes long. Ronnie, get us started. Why? Why do you like this song? Oh, I just this is another like uh, one of those near perfect pop songs. Kind of, kind of like I want you. You know, there, there it is again. Second track on the on the side. Um, they they hook you back in with one of those near perfect uh, power pop songs. Yeah, I just uh, I think it's. Yeah, I think I don't want to say perfect. That's why I keep saying near perfect. Um, <laughs> what's but, what's well, yeah yeah? What's and the perfect no, What's the perfect pop song in your in your estimation? God, see, I, I let me think. I I'll, I'll try to think of it by the end I'm, of the. Year. <laughs> I know I'm putting you on the spot again. Sorry. Yeah, I don't. Um, it's not shake some action. I can tell you that. <laughs> um, that's a good song, but but it's not the. It's not the perfect pop song, no. as many think. 
I put my Sharona in in the conversation. That's there about as yeah. That's right up there as far as a perfect. Po- I mean, I just, my my young my youngest kid is twenty, and he 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 knows that song and sings that can sing that song. So it's just it's a time. It's just since we're talking about the knack, I think that's a song that's timeless. My Everybody youngest is ten, and he can sing it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, actually, if we're going to talk perfect, I, I can name a perfect pop song on Get the Knack, and that's uh, that's what the little girls do. Um, I think that song has it all, like really good melody, really good little turnarounds and bridge. and Yeah. Yeah, it's hidden there on side, too, but I think that's a perfect pop song. Yeah, that's good. good tune. Uh, so lyrically, I got a question for you guys. Was he with Sharona at this point at second record, making of the second record? Yes. Okay. Cause, uh, yeah. cause the, the lyrics of, I don't mind if you're lying to your boyfriend, um, I can keep a secret only you and I will ever know. So uh, I was just curious if she mm. was, if she was with Doug at this point. So I assume that this is about Sharona. Cause I think he said that almost every song on, on the first two records were about her. So anyway. <laughs> wasn't she, wasn't she not not underage, but she was. Pro- I think she was pretty young too. So maybe the secret was don't tell anybody you're with a much older man. Uh, this I agree with Ronnie. This is this is a song that when I listened to it, I couldn't. The, their their lack of continued popularity baffles me because when they, they can write songs like this, this is as as strong as the the first two songs on the record. It's it's got a great yeah, I, new, wave, I, new wave edge to it that at this time in SoCal a lot of a lot of bands Oingo Boingo Sparks you know there was a lot of bands that had this power pop you know sound with this this kind of this weird little new wave edge to it yeah now we talked about this kind of but yeah this would have been a perfect single too I mean uh you know we've already named two songs that would have been a much better single than Can't Put a Price on Love but there you go yeah yep. All right, let's get some scores. What you got, Wayne? Nine. And Ronnie? Uh, I got a 10 on this. All right. This is my 11. I know a lot of these songs were written kind of around the same time as Get the Knack, too. So, you know, this might have been written when he was still trying to get Sharona or whatever, too. So who knows? Yeah, I had heard that most of these songs were written, I mean, some of them even before Get the Knack. Well, wasn't it, some of these yeah, things that they had early incarnations of stuff they played live before they even got signed? Yeah, yeah. I, I think want, there was talk of them actually wanting to have a double al- get the knack be a double album. Yeah, I read, I did read that somewhere. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. All right, next song, end of the game. Ronnie, you like this song um, a little more than than us. We like it too, but this is uh, well. 
I won't spoil it. Yeah, I, tell, tell us why you love this. This, song. this, this stands out for me just because of the, the songwriting. I love all those little like bits uh, after the verse, all the, all the little things going on. So there's, if you listen to it musically, there's, there's, it's moving around like constantly and has little, little genius bits that like, you know, before the, before the chorus and, you know, so I, I just, that's, that's why uh, this one rates high for me. I, I just really love the songwriting on this musically. This is, this would have been probably my second favorite song on the record, but uh, when Doug does his little woos at the end and, and Ronnie, I'm not going to do that one again either. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it, I don't know. It it's 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 usually Wayne that gets super petty with that kind of stuff, like too much tambourine or a drum fill that ultimately affects his score. The woos, the woos affect my score a little bit uh, for this because um, I really do like it. But that the the woos, I don't know. It just it got to me. And to your point, Ronnie, about the band being you know top notch. Yeah. You know, the first thing that I wrote when I went through this the first time is great bass work. Second time around, I wrote great drumming. The third time around that I listened to this, <laughs> I said great guitar work. Okay, what else do I have left? Uh, well, I have Doug's Doug singing, and so that's that that dropped it down just a couple notches for me. But it's co- it's a good song. Again, it's a it's a great power pop song, and um, it's catchy as heck. So. Wayne, anything Some else? great slide work by Burton on here too. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else on this Wayne, before we get some scores? I, I think, and I wish, I think they should have taken some time to, for the world to be want, be looking and waiting for the next app at knack album, instead of, of rushing through it. I think if they'd have cut, if they'd have ended the album right here, maybe wrote one more song like this and stuck it in to get 10, because this is, this is for me the end of the because this is I love this song. I think the lyrics are, are great. Um, yeah, he may have woohooed and that's not his strong suit, but I think he wrote another great uh, song and 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 everybody's at their at, at put their best performance. And then I think after this, it's it, deter, it, it deteriorates. I think they should have ended it right here with this this gem. I also want to add too. There, there's a there's a laser disc, uh, the knack at Carnegie Hall. Um, I think the clips are probably on YouTube, but but look up the live version of this from Carnegie Hall. I mean, they really are they are on it. Um, yeah. Anyway, there you go. Score time. Score time. Yeah. Ronnie, what you got? Uh, this is my top one. So this is this is twelve for me. All right, Wayne. Uh, eight. I can say I I really enjoyed the song, but uh, I didn't have enough higher scores. There you go. And this is my nine. <laughs> All right, next song, The Feeling I Get. And Wayne, I I will have to echo some of your sentiment about uh, the next three songs. 
not not my favorites on the record and this totally gives me and i don't know who, i don't know which which 60s name, girl group name it, one. it could have been anyone it could, it could have, have been, been the, the, or the, or the yeah, yeah or, or yeah anybody that the jingle bells uh get, it creates this image of any of those and and then it has a and then the one it most i think typifies is and then she kissed me uh yeah. but it's just not i just after so much great stuff and i got you know, there's been a couple of occasions where they've kind of thrown back to old, older, early day rock and roll, which I think is a great, you know, connection to what you're doing and showing that it all, it's all from the same place. But this doesn't even, this just feels wrong. I give them credit a little bit for wanting to change up their sound. And there's a lot of different non Sharona formula songs on this record, but I don't know. Musically, this just didn't do much for me. Um, two sixties girl group, and yeah. So, uh, Ronnie, I know that you, based off the scores here, you you liked it a little more than Wayne Wayne and I did. Yeah, yeah. First, Wayne, I want to give you credit for saying "Then She Kissed Me" because that's the Kiss version. Okay, because <laughs> originally it was "Then He Kissed," "Then He Kissed Me," you know, by the Crystals. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah um, obviously, it's it's very derivative of that song it's basically is then he kissed me and and uh, but i i just i think they pulled off the feel of this i like the kind of i like the production on it i like the castanets i like the the feel i mean it does i i think they kind of pulled off the tribute they were trying to pull off on this one so i you know yeah it's it's again it's derivative but i think it's a nice song and i think it's a nice different different sounding song yeah, for the record too. All right. So, so, so yeah. Ronnie, Ronnie, your score on this one? Uh, this is an eight for me. Okay, oh. and then Wayne, deuce, and this is my three. All right. Next song is okay. Having a rave up. And so we go from girl sixties girl group to surf rock garage rock vibe. Uh, another song that's less than uh, two minutes. Uh, uh, don't don't forget little Richard. I think uh, yeah. the guy who invented the woohoo. Uh, that's who it feels like in a lot of places. They're trying to and if pay tribute is what they're trying to do. I hate that I'm so harsh on it, but it just I can see the one thing that I kept listening to this and I'm like, you know who could pull this off? Boingo Boingo would nail this. I just didn't feel like the knack was able to pull it off. It almost came off as a joke. And I don't think that they meant it that way. And, and that, that it just collapsed under its own weight for me. Okay. This is one of those, this is one of those songs that was like, you know, good, good for the set, for the live set. But yeah, it, it's very slight. I, there's not much of this song. So, I mean, that's why I score it kind of low. I'm, you know, it's just, it's, it's just not, it's just not that special, you yeah. know, it's fine, but it's not that special. Yeah. I think we're all in agreement. This is, this is my deuce. Um, and Wayne, <laughs> Wayne, your, your score. A three. 
and then Ronnie. And this is my deuce as well. Yeah, this yeah. is my deuce as well. Yeah. yeah. All right. We're on the same page here. Almost. Yeah. Yep. Let's wrap up this record. This is How Can Love Hurt So Much? What can you do? This reminds me of another song, and I can't put my finger on it. Uh, what what becomes of the brokenhearted? No, I don't know. I can't. I yeah, can't, I can't what put my finger on it. <laughs> no, that's it. maybe, maybe that's it. I, I know what you mean, Ben. I, I know what you mean, but I've never been able to figure out what it's like. Even though it does sound like it's something. I mean, maybe it's just a style thing, but. Yeah. Um, I, I probably like this one more than you guys. I, I, I think it's a great closer. I, I think it's I think it's kind of a beautiful, dreamy song. And I, I like the dramatic intro and the chattering at the end that we can't understand what's being said. And I, I think it's got a nice feel to it. It's got strings and stuff. I mean, uh, you know, maybe it's a little ambitious for them, but but I, I personally like it. You know, and I... <laughs> And I even wrote down, I'm like, so this is my least favorite song. And I kind of feel bad about it because if this song was on Round Trip, I probably would like it because Round Trip is a little more on the psychedelia side and kind of explores more of the the slower tempo type songs. And so for this record, again, I'm looking at it from this record and putting it all in context where you've got yeah. these really fast songs and you've got these really great power pop songs. And then you get this and I'm like, I'm kind of bored. <laughs> so, and, and, <laughs> and, and again, I bet if you threw this on round trip, I would, it wouldn't be my lowest score, but for this record it is. So I don't know, Wayne, what, uh, I know you. I know you want to say something about this song. I think you're probably uh, trying to <laughs> Ronnie. No, I, I. We're gonna agree to disagree. I found nothing redeeming about this. It went too long, and clearly they have a wheelhouse. And four minutes is is outside of it. I think they, they were trying to do something, and I thought that it did not work. I I I would just assume. I just I, I wrote down no redeeming qualities. That seems harsh, but. That's really the way I felt. <laughs> Spoken like a man not even going on vacation. <laughs> right. Not even an A for effort, Wayne? They've done so. Well, I, I thought, I guess I'm judging it from the fact that I think they have so, they had so much talent and they, they brought in these 12 songs and they, they put them on a record in 10 months when I just feel like I think they, and then with what happened to their career, you know, where it's not like, where's the next, you know, knack single it's like oh here it is it's just it's a lot similar to the first knack single where they should have made us want and you know we should have been looking for and waiting 
and they should have, if they'd have put more effort and taken some more time and some of this stuff should have came out. Most of it, I would say should stay, but it, they could have, they've shown such talent to, to come up with this at the end. Uh, it, just different isn't always good. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. So Wayne and I have already said okay. this is our lowest. So Ronnie, oh, what's, yeah, okay, what's, okay. what's your so, score? So, well, I got a seven on this one. So. Okay. All right. There you go. And that's, yeah. that's the beauty of us scoring these. We, we cover all different ranges of, of scores and how people consume music. So um, I even told Wayne ahead of time, I'm like, so we're all over the place on some of these songs. So this, 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 this <laughs> yeah, good. So that's no, it is good. It is good. Yeah. It'd be a little more boring if we all just thought the same thing. Exactly. Exactly. But we were pretty, we were pretty consistent on, on, on most of them. On a lot of songs. Like yeah. We were pretty along. Yeah. yeah. This is usually the part where I say, did we cover everything? Did we miss anything? Oh, you wanted to talk yeah. about the cover. Yes. Go for it. I just want to tell I, I'm always, you know, covers are important to me. Um, and this, the cover of this record is terrible. All right. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's another that's another thing I think killed this record. Like, okay, yeah, Sharona gazing up at the knack, you know. But um, it's a terrible cover. That said, I love the inner sleeve. I love the uh, picture of them in the limo with the girls on either side, um, you know, surrounding them. Um, so there you go. Yeah. So let's let's figure out what our top five is. So any any guesses on what number one is? Oh, I, uh, I want you. It's got to be. I want you. Yeah. It's I want you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that get that got a uh, average score of eleven point three three, followed by it's you, with an average score of ten, followed by end of the game, baby talks dirty was our number four. That was an average score of nine. Largely in part from Wayne, uh, Wayne having that as his top song, and then um, "Hold On Tight" and "Don't Let Go." That was our our fifth, based off of scores. Mm. So that's pretty solid five, though, right? Like I would, yeah, I would definitely, totally I listen to that. Like I say, this this was. I, I watched the. I'm glad that he that he chose this because um, it was great to listen to it, and I think it got it got heat that it didn't necessarily deserve. Yeah, it wasn't perfect. And they did some, some, some things that maybe they could have, they should in retrospect may have done differently, but there's a lot of really good stuff on here. And now I got to go listen to Beast yeah. of Burden. <laughs> <laughs> or can't put a price. You on heard it on the record. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> so, so Ronnie, this has been fun. Thank you so much oh, for uh, revisiting with us. Oh, so, thank you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, yeah, anytime you need somebody to fill in last minute, I'm here for you. Absolutely. Oh, I so, love it. This so, is a blast. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So remind our listeners where they can find all the happenings of uh, Ronnie, the the, the tribute, um, anything that else uh, you're working on. This is your time to plug away. Yeah, I'm not a real big plugger, but uh, yeah, um, the Muffs album, No Holiday on Omnivore Records, came out last October. Um and then, yeah, Kim's Memorial at the El Rey on March 15th. And uh, what else? I'm part of a Live and, Love and Spoonful tribute uh, oh, done cool. by the Wild Honey organization uh, on February 29th. And uh, be playing, me and Roy be playing a song 
there, and we're going to say a few words about Kim before the thing too. So that's about it. Cool. I'm, I'm I'm out there, and you can find me. So. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> the last question, and this is the question that we uh, that uh, we threw out to Mighty Joe. So, who do you know that I don't know who'd want to join us on this podcast to revisit one of their favorite records? Ooh, uh, you know who I think would be good. Real big music fan, and uh, you guys might be a fan of his. He was a Steve Wynn from the Dream Syndicate. <laughs> absolutely, oh, absolutely, uh, very much. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Steve, Steve's very smart and, uh, like I say, a big music fan. And, uh, yeah, I think Steve would do, do be great on here. So and he was, he was I'll, in I'll the, the baseball project as well, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, he, he, he works hard. He does all sorts of stuff. We need to get yeah. him on so that we can talk some baseball again, Wayne. Oh, absolutely. I'll make this happen. Cool. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be totally fun. All right. Well, let me, wrap, yeah. let me wrap this up. So as a reminder, you can find all of our happenings on our Facebook page for the Records Revisited Podcast. Go to recordsrevisitedpodcast.com to find all of our previous episodes. We're on Twitter, at Podcast Records. We are on Instagram, Records Revisited. Is it just Records Revisited or Records Revisited Podcast? I always screw that Records up. Records Revisited Podcast. There you go. <laughs> and so on all those platforms, please go subscribe and rate or review us. So thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. Go to a live show, buy a t-shirt of the band, buy a record, visit a record store, and not just on Record Store Day. We are Records Revisited, and we are out. out.